So please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. And last week we ended in verse 9. And I want to read it again just to set the context for today. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. If you go back to the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, you had many nations all around the world that assembled just outside of Iraq. And for memory, there were around two to three hundred thousand, two to three hundred thousand from multiple nations. And they spent weeks building up and they spent weeks preparing to go into Iraq. And at the 11th hour, the order was given not to invade Iraq, but to force Saddam from Kuwait back into Iraq. Fast forward to the Second Gulf War. You had many nations, not as many as the first time around, that wanted to invade Iraq from Turkey. And at the 11th hour, that was cancelled. And the plan was to send two to three to four hundred thousand Allied soldiers from Kuwait into Iraq. What a sight that must have been. And of course, they invaded in their many thousands, and the war was over very quick. Well, here you get a snapshot as to how this is going to play out. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city being Jerusalem, of course. And fire came down from God out of heaven, a throwback to Solomon and Gomorrah, Old Testament, and devoured them, literally burnt them alive. And if you think of any other major conflict over the past 40 or 50 years, you get some idea as to how this is going to play out. But like I say, the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War, many nations gathered to invade one nation. And here, many nations are going to gather to attempt to invade one nation, being Jerusalem, of course. Which goes back to what I said last week, that during the millennium, during the thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, many people are going to be born, but not all are going to be saved. Many people will not only reject the gospel, but they will rebel against the gospel. Hence why the devil has no trouble finding people to follow him into oblivion. Like I said last week again, also this will be a suicide mission. But it shows you the contempt that mankind has for the Lord. Look at verse 10, please, from Revelation chapter 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. If you think of hell, when it comes to trying to comprehend of the smell, it's like rotten eggs. I remember many years ago, I purchased a car, and when I opened the boot, the Americans call such the trunk, there was an awful smell. And I spoke to the dealership that sold me this used car. And he said to me, well, what happened? We think that the previous owner spilt some milk in the boot of the car. And I'll tell you something, if you spill milk, it's very difficult to get rid of the smell. You can obviously uh, get rid of the actual milk itself. You can mop it up, but you try and get rid of the smell. It's almost impossible. I remember... When I was growing up, one of my friends, his stepfather was an awful alcoholic. And I remember on one occasion, he came home from the pub. He was there every night. He practically owned the place, the amount of money he spent there. And as he was putting his key in the front door, they had a porch. He was sick and his vomit went everywhere. And I remember my friend telling me how his mother raced to the door, got her husband into the house 
and spent the next two or three hours mopping up his sick, his vomit. Disgusting, I know. And after two or three hours on her knees, like two o'clock in the morning, she managed to get rid of the vomit. It went everywhere. But two years later, three years later, four years later, five years later, that smell was still there. And I can remember it. And if I went to see my friend, after a while, they stopped using the front door. They told me to go on the side. I think they were somewhat ashamed. But the point is this. That smell couldn't be eradicated. That smell that uh, came from the boot of my car couldn't be eradicated. And here, for those that arrive in hell, it is referred to as the lake of fire and brimstone. It's going to smell like rotten eggs. And even that doesn't really do justice to the awful stench that will be on evidence for those that find themselves in such a place. You go into hell, first death, Luke sixteen nineteen to 31. You can see, you can hear, you can smell, you can feel. Second death, which we'll look at today, all that seems to, on the one hand, be eradicated because according to Mark uh, chapter 9 and Isaiah 66 and some other passages, you reverse into a worm-shaped figure. I don't quite understand it. And if you think of a worm, and uh, a worm is blind. It can't see. It certainly can't speak. But it can feel. So you get a picture of what happens during the second death. Your soul reverses into an animal-shaped form. If you think of evolution, they say we came from the animal world. Well, maybe Darwin got it back to front. Maybe we revert into animal form. And I'm speaking about unsaved people, of course, not saved people. But here the devil, verse 10, slanderer, enemy of the Lord, hater of the Lord Jesus Christ, that deceived them. He will deceive you through your minds and he will also deceive you through material things. Was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Just think of a large lake. Just think of a large sea or an ocean and you get some idea. Or if you think back to the Old Testament when Moses turned the river Nile into blood, you get some idea. The devil deceived them and as a result was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Cast in alive. Where the beast, antichrist, and the false prophet are, present tense. If you die as an unsaved person, that is your lot for all of eternity. You remain fixed forever in the way that you died. And if you want further information about that, go back to Luke 16 and read it sometime. Luke 16, 19 to 31. Look at the rich man barking orders, still trying to call the shots. He died in his sin and shall be tormented meaning tortured, literally, day and night, forever and ever. But you see, such a passage isn't very popular. Such a passage is neglected. And people don't want to speak about hell anymore. But like I've been saying for many years now, if there's no hell, why get saved? If there's no hell, what are the consequences for living like the devil? I remember some years ago speaking to a student at my local library, and I put... Uh, the case to this particular student that if there's no afterlife if there's no judgment people like Hitler got away with it people like Stalin got away with it people like Saddam got away with it I mean every tyrant you can possibly imagine they all got away with it if there's no hell and yes many people have got away with a lot in this life and sometimes people say there is no perfect crime I wouldn't be so sure about that I think there'd be many perfect crimes I think when Al Capone was put on trial they didn't get him for murder they got him for tax evasion he had many people murdered but he got away with it 
not one of his victims, or not one of his uh, victims' families, ever got justice for the men and women that were murdered by Capone or Martin McGuinness. He had many people put to death, or some of the UVF people, the Ulster Volunteer Force, those Protestant men that would uh, cover their heads up, cover their eyes up, put uh, balaclavas over their faces, so brave. I mean, if you believe in something, let's see your face. They killed people, maybe not as many as the IRA did, but those victims never got justice. You see, if there's no hell, it's somewhat pointless. If there's no hell, it's terrible to think that people have been murdered, people have been put to death, and as a result, are never going to get justice. Or, from our perspective, why preach the gospel? Why go onto the streets? Or why did the early church risk their lives, and on many occasions lose their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ, if there are no consequences? So verse 10 the devil gets his comeuppance, the Antichrist gets his comeuppance, and the false prophet get their comeuppance. The terrible three, this unholy trinity. And when it says tormented, it means tormented. When it says tortured, it means tortured. They're going to suffer. They're going to burn. But they don't burn up. And I showed that from last week. There's no annihilation. It would be nice to think that if you die without Christ, that you somehow just go to sleep and that's the end of your existence that's not what the scripture teaches it teaches that heaven is eternal and hell is eternal and uh, both places are real and people are going to live there forever conscious and very much aware of their surroundings look at verse 11 please and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them great white throne This judgment is going to be for unsaved people. This judgment is going to be for all of the unsaved wicked dead going right back to creation. Creation to Calvary. Calvary to the rapture. The rapture to the end of the tribulation. And the end of the tribulation to the end of the millennium. You won't beat the Lord. You may think you can do what you will. You may have seen many of these... uh, horror movies over the years or these crime documentaries over the years or you may have read about some of the awful men and women that have just left carnage all over the place and have gone on to beat the rap like they say but nobody beats it indefinitely you might beat it temporarily like Capone or Giancana or the craze people such as that but you won't beat it forever And I, John, saw a great white throne picturing purity, picturing sovereignty, picturing a judge on the bench. And him, Jesus Christ, that sat on it. John chapter 5, Jesus will tell us how all judgment has passed to the Son. Put that to a Muslim sometime. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. First earth and heaven although it's spoken of in the singular, will denote the three aspects to heaven. This also knocks out the gap theory, which I may have time to further discuss. And there was found no place for them. So every ship that has ever sunk, every plane that has ever crashed, every man or woman that died uh, due to an earthquake, or a pitfall, or a sinkhole, I think that's what they call it, will now be brought up to stand in judgment of the Lord. And I read the scripture last week, or the week before last, from Psalm, I think it's 139 from memory, where David says, wherever he goes, the Holy Spirit is there, 
picturing the fact that the Lord is everywhere at the same time. So the earth and the heaven fled away, literally burnt up, dissolved, and also reduced. And there was found no place for them. So whoever you are, wherever you are, it's now going to be time for you to be resurrected and be judged. Look at verse 12, please. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out to those things which are written in the books according to their works. So go back to creation and just think for a few moments as to all those people that have lived and died. There are many names in scripture. It says such and such begat such and such, who 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 begat such and such. And people say that's so very boring. But there's a reason why you were told how such and such begat such and such you begat such and such because those people are linked to the messiah those people are linked to our lord and savior those people are linked to god's son so almighty god is very interested in not only his son as any parent would be but he's also interested in those that are linked to his son those that find themselves in the messianic line on top of that all those names which are found in scripture like First uh, and Second Chronicles, hundreds of names picture the Lord's omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence. He sees and hears and knows everything. And as a result, he records everything that has ever taken place, which is very reassuring to those of us which are saved. But it's also very uh, devastating to those that are not saved. I mean, just read the scripture sometime. Read the Old Testament carefully, like uh, Genesis. It lists every possible sin imaginable throughout the first 50 chapters. And that's a great picture to how the great white throne is going to play out. Everything you've ever said and done, if you're unsaved, will be brought to the light. And I saw the dead, physical dead, small and great. Doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Doesn't matter what status you reached in life. Now you are going to be judged. Stand before God, Jesus Christ, like I say. And the books, plural, were opened. And another book was opened, which is a book of life. That's a book to get your name into. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Now, for those of us which are saved, we have been judged and we were judged at Calvary. But when we go to the judgment seats of the Lord, we are then judged for our works. And Paul speaks about such in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think it is, for memory. We're not judged for our salvation because our salvation was dependent upon our Savior. But we are going to be judged for our works. Or look at it this way. These verses have nothing to do with the church whatsoever. First Resurrection chapter 5 concerning the righteous dead from... Uh, Calvary to the rapture, because from creation to Calvary, it speaks about the Lord taking the dead up to glory with him. And you could argue that when they went up to glory from uh, creation to Calvary, they got new bodies. That's one view. Or you could suggest that they went up in a spiritual form, but here they're going to get a literal glorified body. And I seem to, uh, or I am of the latter view that, yes, the first resurrection matthew 27 ephesians chapter 4 and i think also colossians speaks about such would have been a spiritual uh resurrection and here they're going to get literal bodies so resurrection 
Israel rapture church. But these verses are not going to be in any way relevant to those of us which are saved today. So let's keep reading through these verses and I will try and pull them all together. 12 again. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God. And the books were opened. So there are at least two books. And if you think of Chronicles again, 1 and 2, or Genesis, or even Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, it speaks about such and such, begatting such and such, begatting such and such. You get the idea. Everything you've ever said and done has been written down. And another book was opened. Now, this is a book, like I say, to get your name into, which is a book of life. So, tribulation saints and those that get saved in the millennium are going to be resurrected to get eternal bodies and also to receive rewards. And the dead were judged out to those things which were written in the books according to their works. So it's like the judgment seats of Christ, but specifically in reference to those that got saved and died in the millennium. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. So now the sea gives up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Tarsus, Sheol, Gehenna, Hades, call it what you will, all of the unsaved dead are now going to be resurrected. And they are going to be judged, every man and woman, according to their works. So like I say, you've got all of the unsaved dead from creation to the end of the millennium now being resurrected to get their comeuppance. You've also got those that were saved and died in the millennium being resurrected to be rewarded. 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death. And also this is the second and final death. But verse 15 somewhat throws people. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And people say, well, there you are. You see, this is in reference to those of us today. And we can't know that we are saved. Hold on. This piece of scripture isn't for the church. This piece of scripture is for those that get saved during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. This could also be in reference to those that died during the tribulation Uh, were saved during the tribulation and are going to be judged by the Lord. But if you think of that passage from Matthew chapter 8, in fact, go to Matthew chapter 8. This may help you to further understand these verses. Matthew chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about hell many times. In fact, he spoke about hell more times in heaven. And in Matthew chapter 8, he told us from verse 11, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, being the thousand-year reign. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unbelieving Jews, of course. So the marriage supper of the Lamb, or the kingdom of heaven, spoken of here in verse 11, will run for a thousand years. And if you find yourself dining with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you'll be in great company. But if you don't find yourself dining with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you are going to be part of this crowd in verse 12. Now, in the context, it's referring to unbelieving Israel, unsaved Jews. Go back to Revelation chapter 20. 
But for those that are not Jewish, or for, the, uh, for those that are Gentiles and are unsaved, off they go into the lake of fire. And like I say, they will be judged severely. So 15 verses from Revelation chapter 20. And as always, I've tried to keep this as simple as I can and not too uh, deep. I don't want to lose people. But I will say this one more time, that these verses have no specific reference to the church. These verses are, uh, are going to be aimed at those that live and die during the millennium and because they are saved, are going to be resurrected to be judged. And these verses are going to be aimed at all of the unsaved dead going back to creation. Now, Daniel says that we, the saints, are going to be present and we are going to be spectators. And we will stand with the Savior as he judges everyone, starting with the unsaved dead. And it's such an awful thought to behold. Revelation speaks about Christ having eyes like fire. And those eyes like fire picture, on the one hand, purity, but they also picture holiness. And this goes back to imputation. This goes back to Matthew 22 concerning a man who uh, found himself at a wedding. He gate crashed the wedding. And the king says to him, why aren't you wearing the wedding garment? Picturing imputation. And the man says, uh, in fact, the man is speechless. The man can't even respond. And the Lord says to this man, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. That's kind of mirrored back in the book of Esther. When Esther uh, is very close, she's one of the king's wives. She's his uh, probably number one wife. She is, she is his uh, special wife, picturing the king and the church. And Mordecai, this suffering Jew, is moments from execution. And word gets back to the king that Mordecai was a good Jew. And I think it's uh, Naaman from memory, the name of this wicked captain of the king. And it says that as he was speaking, as words left his mouth, the king's men grabbed him and put their hand over his mouth. And it was so shocking. It was such uh, uh, a sight to behold that he was frog marched out um, of the king's presence and hung. I mean, strung up for the whole world to see. And that man, who was very close to the king, in fact, just want to make sure I've got my facts clear here, had gone to the palace expecting to be rewarded. And he had great hatred for Mordecai. And instead of being uh, commended, he was condemned. And his name was Haman from Esther 9.24. And it says, like I say, as the words were going out of his mouth, the king's men, his soldiers, pictured also from Matthew 22, uh, put their hands over his mouth to silence him. And like I say, he was expecting to be rewarded, like many people who think they are saved, and was eventually hanged upon the gallows. Esther 8 verse 7. And that pictures the crowd of Matthew 7.21 to 23. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Lord, Lord, have we not gone to church? Lord, Lord, have we not gone to mass? Lord, Lord, have we not taken of the sacraments? Lord, Lord, have we not been confirmed? You get the idea? And he says, I never knew you. Or here, someone like uh, Haman is then hanged on the gallows. That was the last thing he was expecting. And I think when people arrive in eternity, 
They will attempt to have their say. In fact, Paul says how every mouth will be stopped and all the world becomes silent in the presence of the Lord. And I think when, uh, when many people find themselves at the great white throne judgment, like most of the world, tens of billions, many will think that they were in good stead with the Lord. And many will think that they are going to be rewarded and commended by the Lord, only to be condemned. So I think you get the picture from these uh, 15 verses. And like I say, there are many books found in Scripture. But for those of us which are saved, we are only interested in the Lamb's Book of Life. And to get your name into that book is a free gift. You simply receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do so, you are forever with your Father in heaven. But if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are forever with your Father in hell. Christ would say that you are of your Father the devil, and the lusts of your Father you will do. So you are either linked to God the Father, or Satan as the Father of this world, the God of this world. You can't sit on the fence. You are either saved or unsaved. But verse 15 from Revelation 20, and I'll read it again and close. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So it won't be in reference to those of us which are saved, like I say, but it will be in reference to those that got saved during the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll be resurrected to be rewarded by the Lord Jesus Christ and to probably get glorified bodies to go off into eternity like what we get during the rapture of the church but if you don't get saved fire and brimstone verse 10 awaits you and like i say you try and get the smell of milk out of your car it's impossible or you try and get rid of the smell of vomit from your car it excuse me or from your house i should say it is impossible you can mop it up you can even mop up blood but it's always there you watch these crime programs like CSI. They go into someone's home and they use their uh, special equipment and they can see where the blood is. Now, to the human eye, it's not noticed. But once they get their equipment out, there's blood here, there's blood there, there's blood all over the walls, there's blood on the ceiling. They can see everything and they can mop up that blood and they can trace the blood right down to whether it was a man or a woman and after they spend time investigating such a crime, they can find DNA and they can trace the person and track the person down and get a conviction. If that's what secular science can do, what can the Lord do? He can put someone back together again. He can resurrect someone who lived two, three, four, five, six thousand years ago, and he will, and put them back together again, judge them, and off they go into the lake of fire to burn forever. We worship a sovereign Lord. And it's always worth reminding ourselves about such. He is all-powerful. You can't surprise him. You can't uh, do something. You can't catch him off guard. Whatever you say or do, whether you're saved or unsaved, he knows all about it. And if you're not saved, everything you say and do is found in Scripture. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 12 which comes to mind. Matthew chapter 12, which Jesus uh, spoke about. Uh, Matthew 
chapter 12. See if I can find it. It's Matthew chapter 12. Um, and he says, every idle word, every thought that you have uh, will be judged. For by thy words, verse 37, thou shalt be justified. And by thy words, thou shalt be condemned. That's Matthew 12, 37. So, as I say, and I will sign out now, everything you say and do is written down in heaven. If you're saved, that's good news. And yet, at the same time, it's not such good news. Paul says that how we are all going to appear at the judgment seats of the Lord, and he calls it the terror of the Lord. And he's speaking about saved people. But for the unsaved people, every word, thought, and deed has been seen by heaven, written down by heaven, preserved in heaven to then be presented to the sinner in eternity who will stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in midair, in space, because heaven and earth have fled away. You'll be naked like when you came into this world and you'll be judged. And someone somewhere will no doubt put a DVD on of some kind, you get the idea, and that thing will just run and you will see everything you ever did wrong played on this huge plasma television. Christ will be there with the holy angels. We will be there as glorified people. Probably God the Father will be there and God the Holy Spirit. And these unsaved people, like the guy I read you from uh, Esther, will be just silenced. Hands over the mouth. Or that man from uh, Matthew 22, just wanting to run for the hills. They will want the earth to open up its mouth and swallow them in. And Christ says, well, before you do that, you need to see what you've done. You need to explain yourself to me. And that will take as long as it takes. And then from Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. Look at verse 11. And that every tongue, and that every tongue, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every atheist, every Muslim, every Sikh, every Hindu, every Catholic, every Protestant, every Freemason, every free age or free thinker, new ager, call them what you will, will be forced to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. And then off you go into the lake of fire. And be sure of this as well, that Satan will also be forced to bend the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He tried to steal the Lord's glory, Matthew 4, Luke chapter 4. He said to Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, all these kingdoms are yours. And Christ said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What a great scripture, the Lord thy God, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And that's a great verse to show a Jehovah's Witness as well, that Christ is deity, the Lord our God. And once Satan has been forced to bend the knee, once the Antichrist has been forced to bend the knee, once the uh, false prophet has been forced to bend the knee, once every pope that has ever lived has been forced to bend the knee, once every unsaved man or woman has been forced to bend the knee, that's it. 
That's the second and final death, and off they go into the lake of fire, which burns for all of eternity. But it's not too late to be saved. And if you are hearing this broadcast on the radio or through the internet or online, and you're not sure whether or not you are saved, the scripture says that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved straight away. Don't risk this. Don't pass this up. Don't be like that chap back in Esther or that chap in Matthew 22 who arrives in eternity without any imputation and has no one to intercede for such. We have an advocate, which is Jesus Christ. He loves you. He bled for you. He died for you. He wants you to be saved right here, right now. It's a free gift, but he won't force you to be saved. And if you don't get saved, then you arrive in eternity to stand in the presence of Jesus Christ, like I say, with the entire world watching, probably the unsaved dead as well, not to mention the saved dead. And if you want to take that chance, it's up to you. But for me, I trusted him 15 years ago, and I don't want to find myself in eternity, weeping and wailing, burning up like a maggot, like a red worm in the presence of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet full of eternity. I trusted Christ as my saviour, and I hope you will as well. And I'll close it there and pick it up next week from uh, Revelation 21.